This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another episode of Here We Go, the Steelers show. It's also known as the pregame show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. That is the place where you find all of your Pittsburgh Steeler needs. I hope you had a chance to check out what Ian's talking about yesterday, the preview with Jeff Hartman, myself, and Dave Schofield as we go ahead and take a peek at the New York Jets the opponent this coming weekend, and this morning, it was more Jets, more talk with Jeff Hartman on the signature show, Let's Ride. But this is another signature show, one I'm very proud of. It's because I get a chance to talk to this man, the one and only coach, KT Smith, and we're going to break it down on the pregame show. What is going, Kevin? nothing much brian i'm just uh, ready to talk steelers I, I feel like it's been a long time since we since we talked last we you and i did our last show after the thursday night game and i don't know for some strange reason that feels like it was an eternity ago yeah so we actually did a post game show and yeah. the reason being is because the game was thursday night our show was regularly scheduled on friday there was no reason to change that so we really didn't do much of a pre-game for the Browns, but we're going to go talk about that game just briefly because we've already had a chance to converse on it. Now that you've had a little over a week to digest that game, are you feeling a little bit better about the Steelers or a whole lot worse? I'm conflicted. I feel a little of each, I guess, because there's lots of signs of improvement when you look at the Steelers uh, in their performance against Cleveland, the offensive line is is getting better and uh, there's no question about that um i thought that mitchell trubisky played better and i know yeah, that's something we'll probably talk about a little bit on the show is just uh how long did the steelers stick with trubisky and and when or if they'll make a move and that's obviously a hot topic of conversation but for the time being he is he's shown improvement i think now in, in each week that he's been out there and the offense was certainly better as a whole um i thought matt canada did some some more creative things. He ran into a wall in the second half, and and he'll have to overcome that. The Steelers aren't good enough to have lapses and and not play a full sixty minutes, and they didn't do that. But for the most part, the offense improved, and that and that gives me some hope. That makes me feel encouraged. On the flip side, uh, the defense, while it, it's it's hard to be hard on the defense in lieu of the fact that they were on the field a lot and that they've they've played more snaps than any defense in the NFL. So so they're a little worn out, and they're obviously missing T.J. Watt. But the biggest problem on the defense, their their failure or inability to stop the run, remains a problem. And that's that's discouraging because there's no more demoralizing way to lose a football game than when an opponent is just running it down your throat. And, and that's really happened the last two weeks. New England 
closed out the the game a couple of weeks ago by holding the ball for the final six minutes because the Steelers couldn't stop the run and and Cleveland did the same in the second half really kind of ran to that will so so I got a little mixed bag there in terms of my my feelings do you feel that that 10-day layoff could be a benefit to the Steelers certainly I think I think ideally um you you kind of want your your Thursday night game a little bit later in the season because it does serve as a, a mini buy but coming off of two straight losses given the fact that the offensive line really is in in flux and, and still kind of growing together. Practice time is really valuable, and and when you get a, when you get a, a little bit of extra time off, you have a you have some time to go back into the lab. You have some time to to just work on some of the things that you feel are, are you're struggling with. And I think from from that sense, they'll they'll uh, certainly try to build more chemistry, or, or they tried to build more chemistry in, the, in their off time with the guys up front and. And it gives them a time, some time to really analyze what was going on on the defensive side of the ball, of the ball too. So, if you're going to lose two games in a row, it's it's a it's a decent time to get a little little extra practice in. Well, one of my favorite phrases when talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you know, you've heard me say this a lot. We've seen this movie before. We've seen one and two. We've seen one and three. We've seen zero oh and four. And we've seen one and four as well. And that was just a few years ago in the Duck Hodges days. Oh, and four was they were 2013 and they were a kick, a missed kick from Ryan Suckup away from going to the playoffs. And Ryan Suckup was playing for a Kansas City Chief team that arrested most of their players in the last game of the season. So they were so close to getting to the playoffs after starting 0-4. It's kind of a hallmark of Mike Tomlin to start off slow and be able to put things together. But do you think that's kind of wearing thin? And the longer you do that, the harder it gets to make the playoffs? That's a good question. Um, <clears throat> I think that the that the Steelers are a young team. They're a young football team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Trubisky's the veteran at 27 years of age and, and young teams like that take a little bit of, of time to come together. Uh, I think that coupled with the fact that Matt Canada is really sort of, I, I don't want to call this his first year as offense coordinator because it's, it's technically not correct, but it's the first year that he's, I think felt like he can do some of the things that he really wants to do. All of those things mean that the Steelers are probably uh, going to be a little, <clears throat> a little, excuse me, a little bit slower out of the gate. And hopefully we'll get better as the season goes. And and uh, they're going to have to because they face a, a really tough stretch. Once you get past this Jets game, they got four really brutal games before they get into their bye. And, uh, you know, you don't want to be buried. I mean, you don't want to find yourself in a situation where they're two and six going to the bye. Um, but I think they're going to have to find a way. You know, I think that's a, that's a, a phrase that coaches use all the time. Uh, that doesn't necessarily have a, a distinct meaning. Uh, find a way. We got to find a way to get it done, and uh, and the Steelers somewhere over the next couple of weeks uh, are going to have to have a find a way game, just kind of like they did in the in the uh, season opener against Cincinnati. They're going to have to win a game that maybe they they are an underdog in and don't really have much of a business uh, in winning the way that the game goes and get themselves into a position by the time they get to the bye where they're not buried. And in the second half of the season, the schedule is a little bit easier and, and the team should be better. So so I think in an ideal world, Mike Tomlin's team needs to kind of survive the, the, the stretch they have upcoming after the Jets 
in order to have a realistic shot at making the playoffs when they should be rounding into form as you get down the home stretch. Kevin, I'm merely a fan that has a platform and gets a chance to talk about the Steelers, but you are a coach. And that's one of the reasons that uh, we value everything that you say on this show. So I'm going to ask you a very frank question, and it's about the relationship between a head coach and this offensive coordinator. When it's going poorly, like it has been the last couple weeks, Mike Tomlin is still saying that, you know, they're on course. He's saying that the team is only taking what they're given. Now, me, on this side, I'm thinking, why don't you, instead of taking what you're given on offense, why don't you go out and take it from the defense? But I'm also saying, Kevin, that when does Mike Tomlin step in and say, you got to mix it up. You got to go over the middle. You've got to, you can't be stubborn. I think one of the more interesting questions about this Steelers team is how much of what Matt Canada is doing is truly Matt Canada versus a mandate from Mike Tomlin. And, and I don't think we know the answer. I don't believe that Mike Tomlin gets heavily involved in the offensive game planning and certainly not involved in the play calls on game day. But I do believe that like a lot of head coaches, he gives the offensive coordinator sort of a broad mandate. I, I do the same thing as a head coach. Again, you know, I'm just talking about high school football, but I, I'm I'm a, I'm not a coordinator on either side of the ball as a head coach. I've been an offensive coordinator, uh, and I know that when I was the offensive coordinator, I liked when the coach gave me parameters, the head coach, and gave me some direction, but I didn't want to micromanaging because really that was my job. And I think that that's what Tomlin does, and that's what I try to do. I, I, go, I, I, I sit down and help work on the game plan with our offensive coordinator, and I tell him, like, hey, I want to be able to take advantage of this, this, and this. Uh, and then I let him go because that's that's his job. And it's very interesting to me, and, and I don't think, again, we don't know the answer, but it's very interesting to me when we ponder the question of why aren't the Steelers attacking the middle of the field more and why aren't they being more aggressive in certain situations. If Mike Tomlin has essentially said to Matt Canada, the offense's job is to not lose the football game. I I I don't know this, but my sense is that there's there's the reason they're playing very conservatively on offense is because that's kind of Tomlin's mandate. That Tomlin believes he's got a defense that can win games for the Steelers if the offense doesn't mess it up. That if they that the defense will keep it close and the offense needs to make just enough plays to get it done, capitalize on just enough opportunities to get the team over the top. And that if the offense is turning the football over three, four times a game, the Steelers are going to lose games and Tomlin knows that. So, so your question is an interesting one to which we don't really know the answer, but it would not shock me if part of the conservatism we see on offense with the Steelers is by design and coming from the head man. You mentioned something earlier, and I believe it was a get right game or something about this coming week. What was that phrase again, Kevin? Say it again one, one more time, Brian. I lost you there. I'm sorry. You cut out real quick. All right. You mentioned that this might be a get right game. Was that the phrase you used? A get right game. Correct. Yes. Are the Jets the perfect candidate for a get right game, Kevin? They certainly are on paper. Uh, you, you couldn't really script a better opponent to come to town, especially given the fact that uh, 
Zach Wilson's going to come back and play in his first game. And, and he's young and, and, and inex- well, he's not inexperienced. He started a bunch of games for the Jets last year, but he hasn't gotten any game time this season. And he, he's, he, he's got a knee injury and his mobility is, has been a, a, a key to his success or at least the limited success he had as a rookie. And so um, he's going to be wearing a big bulky knee brace and that may limit some of his mobility. And um, so on paper, this certainly seems like a matchup where the Steelers should be able to take control of and win the football game and then and then feel a little bit better about themselves as they head into, again, this difficult four-week stretch they face beyond the Jets. Well, I have a strategy. I don't know if it's going to work. I was thinking all of the Steelers invite their moms to the game and put them down on the sideline, and that would distract Mr. Wilson. (laughs) I'd forgotten about that, and I didn't know where you were going with that. And I was like, uh, okay, what's he doing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that first of all, let, let's just say that that is one of the great stories. Uh, <laughs> I know. I love the kid even more. Oh, my God. It's fantastic. I mean. Uh, and if you don't and, know the story, if you don't know the story, um, Zach Wilson apparently allegedly had a uh, a fling with one of his mom's best friends. So I know that's not about football, but it's just it's just funny to bring up and. It's really hard to get on the guy for it because he's a young man and we all saw the graduate with Dustin Hoffman and Mrs. Robinson. So I think, I think they should play that song. Oh yeah. And if you want to become a hero in your, in your own locker room, that's a, that's a great path to it right there. There's no way that those guys in the locker room don't have mad respect for Zach Wilson as a result of it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh, this is going off the rails quickly. So let's go back to it. Um, my strategy they're probably not going to use um however what do you think your strategy would be with zach wilson and the fact that the jets are down linemen like crazy yeah they are their offensive line is really being shuffled around and and that really that really wasn't a a huge strength of theirs in in the first place uh george fant was just placed on injured reserve he was one of their better offensive linemen they just had to sign a couple guys off the practice squad. Um, you know, I mean, they've been they've been moving pieces around like crazy, and 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 that's a bad recipe for a quarterback who's who may have some limited mobility or maybe a little bit unsure of his mobility with coming off that knee injury. Um, you know, I, you certainly wish T.J. Watt was was available. I mean, the, the Steelers are zero and six in games that he hasn't played, um, and that's a discouraging statistic. But at the same time. Uh, with 10 days to get ready and uh, realizing that the that the Jets offensive line may be susceptible to some games up front, I would expect the Steelers to have a, a great blitz package and uh, for them to to really throw some things at the Jets the Jets haven't seen yet. When you get when you get a, like a mini buy like this, it's a great time for you to go a little bit deeper into the playbook. It's a great time for you to say to do some self-analysis first and foremost. Hey, what have we already put on film? What are the Jets going to be looking at uh, that we've done defensively in terms of our blitz schemes, our coverages, our coverage disguises, and how can we now show them those things pre-snap and then move, rotate, stem, stunt, whatever, to something else post-snap. Give Zach Wilson something he recognizes from his film study, and then at the snap, give him something else. It's a great week for all that stuff. And so you would like to think, you'd like to think going into the game, 
that this week sets up pretty nicely for the Steelers' defense, uh, given some of the obstacles the Jets will have to face. All right. I have a major question about Zach Wilson, and we are going to discuss that, whether this is a good thing or a bad thing for the Steelers. And we'll talk about that when we come back right after this on Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The worst looking man you've ever seen There I am on the subway train Welcome back to Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis, the podcast producer here at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. With me, as always, is the coach, the big man from Ocean City, New Jersey, and the Red Raiders. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, glad to be with you. And uh, I miss talking to you, Brian. It's been a little while since we got on. I know. Here. I get, I get, uh, you know, I get, I look forward to our, our conversations because it's a good chance to talk to you. And obviously, it means some Steelers football is coming up. Yes, Thursday nights kind of screw us up, but uh, we usually talk beforehand, afterwards, too. If I'm not rushing, it's great always to converse with you. I, I wish we lived five miles apart. You'd be seeing me at your house all the time, and your wife would be like, well, Brian, go home. <laughs> uh, yeah, we have uh, we have some neighbors who, who's, uh, whose children are great friends with our friends, and uh, there are occasionally conversations that we have where we're just like, <laughs> Uh, so so needs to go home. You know? <laughs> so. <laughs> I've been there, but let's talk about the Red Raiders real quick. How's the season going? Because I don't have an update, and I'm used to getting updates from you. Well, much like the Steelers, we're coming. You know, the Steelers on a mini buy. We we're on an actual buy, and we don't play till Saturday night. So we'll have had 15 days between between games, which is a lot of practice for high school kids. It's a lot of time, and 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 it's great in some regards. We've we've gotten some some great work on things that we needed to work on and gotten to look at some different things, but you know, you know, trying to really kind of hold the hold 15, 16, 17 year old kids uh, to get them focused and, and get the most out of them at practice for two straight weeks can be a challenge. So we've had to do some fun things and, you know, create some games and some contests and, and just, you know, I mean, just you know, simple things, one-on-ones. I mean, make one-on-ones a competition and, and, and the winner's, are doing up downs and the losers are, you know, or I'm sorry, the losers are doing up downs, et cetera. Uh, you kind of reach into the bag of tricks a little bit uh, at that point. And, and we're also facing the challenge of this, this hurricane, which is, is going to be creeping its way up the coast. And we're going to play our game Saturday night, probably in wind and rain. And, and that pre- presents some interesting challenges as well. And uh, you think, you think about how that's going to affect, affect the, the NFL this weekend. I mean, there's going to be a lot of games that are going to be affected by conditions. So, there's always something to adjust to. There's always something that you have to game plan for. Every week is unique. And so whether you're whether you're off or not, there's an awful lot of planning. So and speaking, you know, speaking of the hurricane real quick, I mean, some of the pictures 
out of Fort Myers and, and, and the Florida area uh, are pretty, pretty devastating. So obviously we're sending our, our thoughts out to all the people down there. There was a video on Twitter of a, a shark swimming through the streets of Fort Myers. I don't know if you oh saw my it. Goodness. No, I did not. The storm surge was so great that there was literally a shark who's swimming through the streets of Fort Myers. And so, you know, that's <laughs> you're in a new reality when, when there's you know sharks on the boulevard. Yeah. I mean, when you see that happen it's like yeah just play aerosmith because it's armageddon exactly exactly it's a uh, or sharknado or something uh, <laughs> you know. let's get back into it and you know i want to talk about that running game and i'm going to do that because you didn't say running game but i'm thinking in the wind and rain you need to have a very good running game and so we're going to discuss the running games of both teams in just a moment but we were talking zach wilson and we are talking about I think I already know who our dude of the week is, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) because because of what we just talked about in the last segment. Um, (laughs) But anyways, we're talking about Zach Wilson, and he has not played since August 9th when he got injured in a preseason game. And they've had Joe Flacco and that offense put up some points, very young offense and Joe Flacco. What's the better scenario for the Pittsburgh Steelers? I know they don't get a chance to choose, but if you're choosing, Kevin, who would you rather face? A returning Zach Wilson or a uh, fresh Joe Flacco, if that's even a thing? I'd absolutely rather face uh, Zach Wilson, given the fact he's never played the Steelers. And I mean, Mike Tomlin said it at, at his press conference this week. He said, there are... We we haven't faced this guy before, so there are some unknowns with him, and that's true. And there will be some things that the Steelers are, are not going to, you know, be able to really anticipate because they haven't played him before. But there's an awful lot of things about the Pittsburgh Steelers that Zach Wilson doesn't know because he's never played them before. And I think that that cr- creates an advantage for the Steelers. I mean, Joe Flacco, say what you want about him uh, and where he is at this point in his NFL career, but he's he's the grizzled old veteran. Uh, who knows the Steelers. He's certainly been through the, you know, the wars with the Steelers over the years and has a pretty good idea of what to expect from them, even with the new coordinators. And, and, and he's just a guy that you just worry can kind of reach into the wayback machine and, and maybe pull out one of those performances uh, from his prime back in the Baltimore days. And, and, and so I would, I'd rather take my chances with the young kid who, who doesn't quite know what to expect than with the old veteran who does. And I have mad respect for a guy like Joe Flacco, who everybody said was done a long time ago. And he's gone to a few different teams and he keeps on fighting, keeps on playing, and he's still relevant. So uh, applause to an old rival, even though he looks like Bird from Sesame Street. (laughs) It's always been my favorite analogy. I always thought he looked like one of, uh, not Voldemort. Um, He looked like a Death Eater, but he looked like one of Mal, uh, Draco Malfoy's buddies uh, in Slytherin. I, I thought he would have been a perfect Slytherin Joe Flacco. Oh, yeah. Young Joe Flacco, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> the, but just sort of like the scowl and the flat top and the sort of like cold nihilistic eyes. No doubt about that. Yeah, he, he'd be doing the dark arts there oh, at Hogwarts. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I understand that. So let's get back into it. We talked a little bit about how this hurricane and Hurricane Ian is going to go ahead and affect some things, and it's going to affect for every team. You mentioned wind and rain, and we saw this movie before in a very special way 
when Ben Roethlisberger made his debut with, I believe it was Hurricane Ida back in, was it Ida back in 2004? It doesn't matter the name, but I I was thinking about that. And so I kind of think that, uh, you know, you, you base a game plan around the quarterback and the running game and what they can do. And you're probably going to do minimal passing. Is that something that you believe? I think wind is a, a bigger factor than rain. Uh, I don't think that rain really affects teams as much as wind does because simply the way that wind affects the trajectory and the flight of the football, uh, you know, players learn to, to adapt to, to playing with a wet ball. And the way it's in the NFL, you can get a new ball in just about every, every play. And they do a good job of keeping the balls dry. So it'll be very interesting to see what's going on with the wind, and especially at, uh, I almost said Heimsfield, uh, at Acroshore. There's a, there'll be the swirling winds off the water and, and all of that. So that'll be really interesting to see what kind of effect that has on the passing game. Now, Ben Roethlisberger was so strong that oftentimes he kind of muscled the ball through the wind and neither Trubisky nor Wilson has a Roethlisberger-esque arm. So it'll be very interesting to see how they react. And, and that of course means, right, we may see heavy doses of the run game. And if I'm New York, I'm absolutely leaning on the run game. Cause I think they have two pretty good backs. I think Brees Hall, uh, the, the Iowa state standout who they drafted in the second round is, uh, you know, he's got good speed and he's thickly built. He's about five eleven two twenty, 220 and, uh, he's got good quickness. And then, um, they've also got, you know, the 2021 draft pick, Michael Carter, who's, who's a pretty good runner too. So they got a decent one, two punch. And if you want to, if you want to help out, obviously a quarterback who's making his first start and, um, and you want to help an offensive line that's in flux, run the football. I mean, offensive linemen will tell you that that they'd rather run the ball than throw it, you know, eight days a week, man. They want to be the hammers and not the nails. And when you're, uh, when you're running the ball, you got an opportunity to be a hammer. And when you're in pass protection, a lot of times you're the nail. So uh, I think that we'll see a lot of that from New York, especially given the fact that the Steelers run defense is, is not particularly tough. What concerns you more about that offense of the New York Jets? Is it Hall and Carter? Because like you said, they're dynamic. Or is it the pass catchers? And you can throw in C.J. Azuma, who has really beat up the Steelers over the years when he was in Cincinnati. And you've got a very exciting electric rookie in Garrett Wilson. But the question is, how are his ribs? Is he 100%? Yeah, he's a little bit beat up. And uh, and he is a, he's certainly a talent. Uh, there's no question about that. But if the Steelers want to scheme to take away a guy, they can do that. I think that that's just about just about any any NFL team can can scheme to take away a single receiver. And I think Wilson is the far and away the best receiver uh, on New York right now. I mean, when you look at you look at, uh, for example, like the, the, the targets that he's gotten this year for the Jets, um, Wilson's got got 32 targets. The next the, the next biggest uh, target as a wide receiver is Elijah Moore has got 20. So he's got 12 more targets over three games than than any other player on the team, which, which certainly means that they're leaning heavily on him in the passing game. So it'll be interesting to see if the Steelers feel like they can take him away in, you know, with their regular coverage or if they rotate coverage to him or if they, they play some kind of combo coverage on him. I and mean, there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. The, the bigger concern is stopping the run because, because when you can't stop the run, then the, then the way that you ha- the ways in which you have to compensate, make you very vulnerable elsewhere. You, you have to, bring that safety down, 
Now you got to play single high. Now you got to be able to single up. Now you don't have the luxury of being able to play games with a, a certain individual if you need to. Um, so I think for me, it all starts with, with stopping the run and the ability of the Steelers to be able to put the Jets behind the chains and put them into passing situations where they can then really get after the quarterback and, and run some of those, those stunts and schemes that we were talking about earlier on the show. So this really hurts me to ask this next question. But is Tyson Alualu done? Oof. He's not looked uh, like the guy we we last saw. That's for sure. Um, it was it was discouraging watching him against Cleveland. He was getting manhandled. I mean, he, he was he was literally being driven three and four yards off the ball in some plays, and and that was discouraging. And whether or not he's one hundred percent healthy, or whether or not the the recovery from that injury at his age, he's thirty five years old, is is uh, just not going to let him get back to where he was. Uh, or maybe he's just got to knock the rust off. It's only been three games and he hasn't played a ton of reps. The Steelers played almost no base three, four defense the first two weeks. So he didn't get a ton of reps. I mean, so maybe the fact that Cleveland was the most extensive game action he's had in over a year uh, and that he just wasn't in that kind of game shape, game shape. I don't think we know the answer just yet. So I'm not going to say he's done, but it certainly <laughs> was not a uh, encouraging start last week. Well, I'm definitely hoping he's not done. Mad respect for that guy and would love to see him do well. Montrevious Adams, is that an upgrade though right now? I don't know. I mean, he had some some good moments last year, but he's a guy that he can play well in flashes, but how many many snaps is he going to get? Because the more he's on the field, you know, he he tends to wear down. He's a little bit undersized for a a, a one technique or a nose. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much base defense the Steelers play. That's going to be dictated by the Jets and, and how much 12 personnel or heavy personnel they're in. I mean, they really don't use uh, two tight ends that often, but they've got you know some decent blockers if they want to use one. Ty Conklin is, is a pretty good blocking tight end, and he's been a decent receiver too. You mentioned Uzoma, who's not much of a blocker, but um, you know he, they, if they wanted to go 12 personnel and dictate what the Steelers do, the Steelers would probably counter with their – with their base defense, and now you'd be playing a 3-4, and that means that Adams and Alu Alu would be on the field a lot. So it's going to be a chess match in terms of, you know, what what is what is what are the Jets trying to, to get the Steelers into, and then how do the Steelers respond? That chess match is very interesting. Who are the important pieces on the Steelers' defense this week, and what pieces do they need to stop? I think the, the encouraging thing for the Steelers is that the linebackers are playing better. Devin Bush had a pretty solid game against Cleveland. Uh, he's been a little bit of a, you know, taking a little bit of a beating from Steelers fans. No he's been the whipping that. post. Yeah. 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 And, and I don't think, you know, it doesn't, it's not all warranted. I mean, um, he's not Devin Bush from, from 2019. He's not the Devin Bush of his rookie year. And I think that people want him to be, um, he hasn't been off. I mean, he hasn't been. He's had some bad plays. He's had some moments where you know, he still has a bad habit of running himself into blocks and then not being able to get off of them. He, as a rookie, he seemed to be able to find seems a little better. He's, he was a little bit more explosive before the knee injury. And and now, he, uh, you know, one of the things you hear defensive coaches say all the time, it's okay to get blocked. It's not okay to stay blocked. And and sometimes Devin Bush stays blocked. And that's frustrating. Um, but he's got a much better playing partner in, than he's ever had before in Miles Jack. and. Uh, so, so for me, the linebacking play is a little bit better and it's just all going to depend on, on the front, how well the Steelers going to do, do up front. I mean, the last five quarters have been discouraging the way new England ran the ball in the fourth quarter. And then the way, the way Cleveland ran the football, 
that's been discouraging. But again, you know, in the New England game, I think the Steelers offense didn't do a good enough job to stay on the field and the defense wore down. And against Cleveland, Cleveland's got the best rushing attack in the NFL. So you know, maybe I'm making ex- excuses for them right now, but I'm not re- I'm not ready to say, oh, it's, well, it's doom and gloom because the, the Steelers defense is toast against the run. Let me ask you about the defensive backfield. A lot of people thought that Minka Fitzpatrick took a step back from two amazing games in week one and week two. But is the defensive backfield that secondary where the Steelers want them to be right now? Yeah, I think so. First of all, the Cleveland Cleveland's offense is a totally different animal than the Steelers faced the first two weeks. Uh, it's it's in, in New England and in Cincinnati, the Steelers were playing 11 personnel teams that were largely spreading the field. And um, while the Patriots were a little more similar to Cleveland than Cincinnati was, the, the game was being played in more space those two weeks. And then Cleveland comes in and, you know, they're 12 personnel, they're 22 personnel, and they're pounding the football at you. And so, so Mika Fitzpatrick's role was very, very different against the Browns than it was the previous two weeks. Uh, I think the secondary has been solid. Now, granted, they haven't, you know, they, they did a they did a great job week one, a phenomenal job against Joe Burrow, picked them off, what, four times, and then had a fifth one, I guess, nullified by a, a defensive penalty. Um, and then, you know, Mac Jones was okay. I mean, he was fine. He, they, but New England didn't win the game because Mac, Mac Jones threw the ball all over the place. And then, you know, Cleveland kind of ran the ball down the Steelers' throat. The thing that was a little bit discouraging about not necessarily the secondary in the Cleveland game, but I thought maybe in the defensive play calling, which is how the soft zones the Steelers kept playing against against Cleveland. They really just didn't – they were unwilling to man up. And uh, I'm not sure why that was, to be quite honest with you. I, maybe maybe the zone fits gave them a better opportunity to defend the run, but they were pretty soft in that zone. And uh, Jacoby Brissett, to his credit, did a, did a nice job of finding the seams and and making the Steelers pay for that that strategy. So – It'll be interesting to see what how the Steelers choose to play their defensive backs this week. I think that'll be uh, a key to assessing their performance. What's scarier for you, the offense of the Jets or the defense of the Jets? Uh, if I'm being honest, I'm not scared of either one. <laughs> but uh, it's it's. But if I had to pick, I would I, I would probably pick the the Jets offense simply because. I feel as though they run the ball well enough that if they get into a rhythm, they can they can hold the football for long stretches the way that New England did, Cincinnati. All, all three t- opponents uh, so far have had a, a pretty significant time of possession disparity uh, in their favor. So you, know, you worry again about are the Jets going to be able to duplicate the, the, that game plan and dominate time of possession and wear the Steelers out. But when you look at the Jets' defense, they've got one glaring weakness and that glaring weakness isn't really a personnel thing it's it's a situational thing uh i mean they're 31st in the league on third downs they're they're allowing opponents to convert over 51 percent of third downs and uh, you can't you can't win like that you got to get off the field on third downs so the, the jets have been decent at, on first and second down but when third down comes around they just they just haven't been able to do it they haven't gotten uh you know much of a pass rush they've made some critical mistakes the Steelers have been fairly efficient with their short passing game. I mean, the deeper ball has been problematic, but if the Steelers can run the ball well enough to put themselves in some third and mediums and third and shorts and stay out of third and longs, um, the odds are that they're going to move the chains because, again, their short passing game is decent and the Jets' third down defense is, is bad. 
And uh, and if the Steelers can do that, they can put together some drives. Well, you know, one thing you see with the Steelers is when they get a first down or two, the offense starts to get going. They get into some rhythm. Uh, and when they can't, it just seems to grind to a halt. I mean, they, they had that terrible stretch in the third and early fourth quarter against Cleveland where they went three and out on three consecutive possessions, quick punts, and the Browns took control of the football game with long drives then. Uh, and the Steelers, you know, they just, they just didn't seem to have – Canada couldn't seem to find a thing uh, to, to get them – into any kind of rhythm, but once they made a first down, then they turned that into two, three, four first downs and they put nice drives together. So for me, that's a huge factor, third downs. And can the Steelers do what the Jets previous opponents have done and be the dominant team in those situations? I'm absolutely loving their head coach though. I think Robert Sella has the potential to be fantastic. Kevin, what are your thoughts on Sella? I think he's, I think he's Tomlin-esque. I think he's a, a guy that you want to play for. He's got great energy. Uh, he's a, he's a guy, you know, he's a defensive guy. He was the coordinator, defensive coordinator out in San Francisco and comes over to New York and he's got a lot of young guys who, who I think are excited about playing for him. My college roommate is a, a, if there's such a thing, a huge Jets fan. He may be the only Jets fan I think I've ever met in my entire life. And he's been miserable as a Jets fan for, I've known him, for 30 years and he's been miserable for 30 years pretty much, but he's more optimistic about the jets because of their head coach than I've ever heard him. And he just seems to feel like uh, this is a guy who will, who will figure it out. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard not to like you watch him on the sideline. You watch the intensity and the enthusiasm that, that he coaches with and uh, just the way that he, he just, he kind of, he's, he's there with his players. He, he's not, uh, one of these sort of passive head coaches that you uh, when they uh, those those all those scenes when they would cut to the sideline and you just see the head coach kind of passively staring out onto the field or you know sort of unemotionally staring at his at his play script or whatever. Uh, he's the he's the opposite of that man. He's a he's an energy guy and I think players respond to that. So for a young team like the Jets, he's he's, he's probably a great guy to have in place. We got to get on out of here, Kevin. Let's do our dude of the week. You sound you sound like you're willing to give it to an opposing player this week. <laughs> That's because I just, just I love I love the Zach Wilson story. I just think it's so hilarious. In fact, I did not want to ruin the continuity of the show. But when you were talking about your high school team, I was like, well, you know, next home game, if you've got an opponent that's favored, just bring moms on on the sideline, have them wear some uh, Friday night out. You know, when you're talking about high school kids. Yeah, so you're blowing me off, and I, I don't blame you. <laughs> well, I feel like there may be some I feel like there may be some, you some, can't legal, comment. some legal issues involved in that when we start talking about high school kids and moms, but whatever. Yeah, you uh, you, you can't. This is an American pie with Stifler's mom. We exactly, can't do it. Exactly. All right, dude of the week. I can't give it to an opposing player. Um can can we do an anticipatory dude of the week? Let's okay, let's, yeah. uh, let's anticipate, right? Let's say this. If this person is the dude of the week, it's it's going to be a, a, a great Sunday for the Steelers. So let's let's give it to Mitch, right? I mean, he's gotten better each week. This is he, this one's kind of teed up for him a little bit. The, the 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 conditions are good right now for Trubisky to have a really solid game and the offense to have its best game of the year. If we, in anticipation, can award Mitchell Trubisky the dude of the week, uh, and that actually happens, then it'll be a, a great result on Sunday. Very good. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. We will talk to you next week. But first, you thought you were off the hook. You got to make a prediction. 27-14 Steelers.
Love it. For Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. This has been, here we go, the Steelers pregame show from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And Kevin, keep your feet on the ground. And keep reaching for the hypocycloids. Mm-hmm.